0: Welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. I'm John Williamson, the host of the podcast and founder of K-12 Food Rescue, an organization founded in 2007, committed to empowering people to lead the food is not trash movement in their school districts. Today, I'm joined by Vicki Ballas, Michigan State University Extension Community Nutrition Instructor. So Vicki, welcome to the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, John.
0: Oh, you're welcome, Vicki. Uh, We are very excited to have you on the podcast today. Um, Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and maybe your role at the Michigan State University Extension and what the uh, extension is all about?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, like you said, I'm a community nutrition instructor, and that's for Alger and Marquette County in the UP. I teach nutrition to all ages. I also coach people who want to make some sort of policy change or a system or an environmental change with regards to, you know, community nutrition or physical activity. Um, Yeah. So that sort of thing. (laughs) That's what I do.
0: So so tell me about when you first became interested um, in the subject of food waste related to your role.
1: Oh boy. Well, that was years ago. I I saw a poster that it said that we only eat 60% of all the food that we grow. And so we pitch 40% of it. And so I think that was the, the beginning of it all. That made me go, what? That's crazy. Uh, and then recently, um, I just heard, and I don't know why I didn't put this together at the time, but the food that is in our landfills, actually creates a huge amount of co2 and that's you know that's our driver for climate change and uh so yeah that really interested me like wow we got to do something about this
0: uh yeah so hunger in uh kind of intersected with uh, the environment in that situation that's pretty pretty cool that's one of the things i I, uh, my own journey was was uh true as well was that it started out the interest was how that affects hunger and then you know yeah. the impact of uh, all the methane gas um, was also like wow we're doing two two bad things at one time <laughs> so, yeah and, so, and then
1: with our so population tell me, how they, go ahead. oh sorry no, go ahead oh i was gonna say then with our population just growing and growing and we're throwing all this food away Then you have this issue of we don't have enough food to feed all these people because we're throwing it all away. Yeah. So something's got to be done.
0: Yeah. So tell me how that interest ultimately intersected with schools in the UP. Well,
1: um, a few years ago, I was uh, coaching the Munising Middle and High School on this program called Smarter Lunchrooms. And this was designed to help students eat more fruits and vegetables just by um, changing the uh, order of food when they come through the line, you know, having the fruits and the vegetables first instead of last, which often happens. And so we were doing this program, and we were doing an evaluation and seeing what food was being chosen and then what was being thrown away, what was left over and we just noticed there was an incredible amount of food that was perfectly intact food, like milk cartons that weren't opened and bananas and apples and oranges that were perfectly intact and other other foods that uh, were sealed. And they were just getting thrown away because they can't go back through the food system. The schools can't resell the food they already sold, right? Um, so. All this food was getting thrown away, and we saw this during this evaluation, and we were like, oh, okay, (laughs) we need to do something about this, and that's kind of where it all began.
0: So from what I understand in the article that I read, it kind of led to this um, Munising Mustang food share impacts and share tables, and kind of tell tell our audience a little bit about maybe how all that came about and how all those things intersect with your passion uh, for relieving food insecurity.
1: Yeah, one of the, I belong to a coalition through my work called the Alger Wellness Coalition, and we had already started an MPACS program, which is where we send food home uh, to students for the weekends, and so we already had that going, and then we noticed that for the high school students, they stopped signing up for the MPACS program. And we think it was because of the stigma of you know being helped, you know, giving giving you food and carrying it home, and uh, we we just think that stigma was preventing them from participating in this program. So you know, we thought, why don't we just have a a food share, kind of like a, a school pantry for all students, and then whether you're in need or not, you can get food, and just reduce just totally remove that stigma. And so that's what we started. It's a school pantry. We have a refrigerator and a shelf that holds dried goods. And it's at the edge of the cafeteria. And so we have this is going. We've got the impacts going. And then when we were doing that survey for the Smarter Lunchrooms program, we did start a compost system because the schools have a garden and so we started the composting to kind of handle this food that's being thrown away Um, but we were missing the piece of let's recapture this food and use it it's perfectly good food you know compost piles produce um, co2 as well so let's we need there's one piece of this puzzle missing and that was those share carts or the share tables And so uh, MSU Extension had a program and with grant money that was able to help purchase these share carts with baskets and refrigeration. Uh, It's an ice pack situation, but uh, they provided these for the schools. And um, so now we have the share tables uh, in both of our, our elementary school and our middle high school here in Munising.
0: Yeah, I always like to tell our audience when I'm doing these interviews, um, when you're raising money for anything, if there's one thing that people seem to be willing to to fund, it's a refrigeration to save food. <laughs> hey, I have yeah. never had a problem with any pe- anybody that puts that out there that doesn't find somebody willing to help them, you know, provide refrigeration for this food because it's such a, a, a huge return on investment just to purchase some refrigeration and then how much food ends up going in there. So um, yeah. just out of curiosity, yeah. you know, we find it's about 60 items a day around the country for schools. What Do you have a guess as to how many items get placed in that share table each day, if you had to guess?
1: Oh, my goodness. Well, so our the elementary school, Mather Elementary School, they use their cart in a little different way. They're, that is um, K through fifth grade. And as the students eat their lunch and they don't want something, they put it on the basket and then other students can take it off and eat it right then and there and then if there's any food left over the teachers take it to their classrooms and then the non-perishable stuff of course and then uh, yeah. the students eat it throughout the day <laughs> in the classrooms so there is absolutely no waste at all uh so each class each um lunchroom oh boy there's probably you know only Probably about ten items a day that go into the classrooms. Probably, yeah. you know, not a ton, but you know, it adds up every day. You know, that's fifty a week. <laughs> you know, and yeah, uh, exactly, exactly. Yeah, and then the high school, the middle and high school, they're together. How they use their share cart is during their lunches. If a student doesn't want something, they can put it on the share cart, and then the students can take it off right then and there. And then at the end of their lunch period, any food, perishable or not, um, goes into the Mustang food chair. And so the perishable stuff goes yep. in the fridge and then the rest goes onto the to the on the shelves that are non perishable foods. And so uh, you know, again, it's probably only about, you know, we have a small school. Each school is only about three hundred students. So there's probably usually about five yep. items a day that that go into the into the food share and that go into the classrooms but it is there's like no waste it is rare to throw anything away uh, we do have the compost well, what i'm hearing
0: bucket. you say though is that the stu- go, go ahead i'm sorry
1: i was just going to say at the middle high school we do have the compost bucket and um, mostly the only thing that goes in there are apples that get like a ding in them and they get exposed to air and then you can't eat those. And that's really yeah. the only thing that ever gets in the compost no. is the apples. But, yeah, yeah, there's no waste.
0: So I am hearing you say that the students do have an opportunity that are in the, the lunchroom to go ahead and take if they want an extra item and that kind of thing. Is that mm-hmm. before it goes into the classroom? So is that accurate? Yeah.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, they can during All the right, lunch so period. The last... oh, sorry. Go, go ahead.
0: I was just going right. to say
1: during the lunch period students put it on the share cart other students take it off if they want it right then and there they put it on there other students eat it if at the end of the lunch period there's anything left over then it goes into the classrooms or it goes into the Mustang food chair
0: Yeah I love that because regardless of what the number is it's I've always said that students uh, always should be to me they should always have the right to make a better choice than throwing something unopened and unpeeled into a landfill. You know, at the yeah. very minimum, we're teaching, you know, good 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 principles like that with our with our food system. So so tell me as a third party, you know, what were the hurdles you had to overcome in collaborating with schools, you know, on these initiatives?
1: Well, with schools, it's always time and money. That is always their biggest issue. Nobody at the school, they don't have time to be putting up another pantry or you know, adding something to all of their workloads, even the lunch people. And they're like, we don't have time to be doing any of this. So that's the biggest thing. Time and yeah. money. Those are always the biggest hurdles. And then. Um, I've always told people,
0: those those, cafe, those cafeteria workers, I said, they're overworked and underpaid. And we come in and ask them to do one more.
1: <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. They are so underpaid. It, it's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> but it, that's what it is. And then, you know, the hurdles continue, even though we have all these systems in place, stuff still happens and they still need to be um, dealt with. You know, you have to constantly problem solve.
0: Yeah. So once you did establish the relationship, you know, from the school's perspective, what were you, you know, or I guess from a third party perspective, what were you able to provide that school, um, you know, that would have been found difficult for them to do it on their own?
1: Well, this coalition really provided them the time and the money, you know, to get it going. Uh, Our coalition, we had a grant which started the MPACS program, and so we we had funding. And uh, when we brought the idea, we already had the relationship, too. So when we brought the idea to them about the stigma and a way to reduce that or eliminate it completely, with the pantry, you know, they were on board. They were like, we love this idea. This is great, but keep in mind, you know, we don't have any time for this. And we're like, we know. We have a refrigerator, we have a shelf, and we have people. So that that was that was huge. You know, they, how could they say no to that, right? Yeah, um, absolutely. It's yeah, absolutely.
0: But
1: then once we got it established... Um, We had already had a relationship with one of the science teachers at the high school with the garden, and um, she was all on board for that. And she happened to also be a key club, Um, the teacher who's in charge of key club, which they have to do community service. So we asked the key club to help out, and they really support the school pantry. And then she also... uh, incorporated her sixth grade students as a grade to also be a part of the the Mustang food Share, this pantry. And so once we got it established, then we brought in others at the school, right? So they could, um, you know, really own it and, and really make it theirs.
0: So tell me about, um, maybe the long-term vision, you know, quote, maybe a dream, you know, for taking the program beyond the Upper Peninsula uh, in Michigan in munic- you know, from Munising. And I guess maybe I might also add, just from, from your perspective at Michigan State University, what what's going on in the state of Michigan regarding this? Do you think it's widespread, or do you think there's still a lot of work to be done?
1: Um, well, actually, um, MSU Extension, we have uh, – this is part of our community nutrition instructor's This is part of our duties is to do uh, this kind of work. And so any any school, any place can contact their local MSU Extension office and ask for their community nutrition instructor. And this person can help coach um, all of them through this whole process of having a school pantry, of having a backpack program for the weekends, having a food share uh, cart in their school so yeah we we're here to coach we're here to help
0: do you what are your thoughts on just michigan the state of michigan in general with where they are with share tables and that kind of thing do you think that it's widespread or do you think that there's a lot of work to be done
1: you know i'm gonna say about 50 50 i know we have Mm. had a lot uh, we've been doing a lot of work in the schools Um, with the share tables and that the grant that we had really enabled us to uh, work with a lot of schools to get this going, but there's still a lot of schools that didn't get it.
0: (laughs) So what advice would you have for people that are interested in approaching their schools and starting food waste solution programs like share tables and fridges in their schools?
1: Well, the big one is contact your local extension office (laughs) And the other Love one is,
0: yeah.
1: yeah, you have to find your champions and you have to build those relationships yep. with your schools. And uh, champions and relationships are what make everything work, <laughs> in my experience.
0: Gosh, it's almost like you listen to all 88 of our episodes. <laughs> oh, just, really? <laughs> I say, yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's the theme. It's like if you don't have a champion in the building, um, it's just yeah. almost impossible. <laughs> you know. Um, yeah. It just take. Yeah. You just, it, does, it does take some passion. You know, it's not that it's not that it's extremely difficult, but it does take the passion to get through because it's just a. It is an extra thing. Um, yeah. And it's yeah. Absolutely. Not a requirement for anybody to so win. So if anyone's interested in learning more about uh, starting a food waste solution program in their school or the school district, um, you'd mentioned that they could reach out to you and the Michigan state, you know, extension, how, how do they do that?
1: So for, you can just Google whatever County you're in and um, mm-hmm. put MSU extension and you'll get, you'll find an office um, there. Uh, if anybody wants to contact me directly, they can email me at, ballasv that's b-a-l-l-a-s-v as in vicki at msu.edu if they want to contact me or they can uh, call me as well at 906-387-2530 and I can help them find a community nutrition instructor in their county as well.
0: Gosh, I appreciate you giving that information, Vicki. And I just want to thank you again for joining me on the K-12 Food Rescue Podcast. And thanks for providing school food waste solutions in Munising, Michigan and beyond and sharing them with our audience today. So I really hope that you have a great day and appreciate everything that you do.
1: All right. Thank you. You too, John.
0: All right. Have a great day.
1: Thanks.